Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. When it comes to buying a home, the process can be overwhelming and confusing. With so many options, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why it's important to work with a certified mortgage loan originator. I have the knowledge and expertise to guide you through the process and find the best mortgage option for you. I will work with you every step of the way to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible. So if you're looking to purchase or refinance, please reach out to me at 502-680-0953. So don't take on the stress of buying a home alone. Work with me and I will make your dream a reality. Trust the professionals and make your home buying experience a positive one. MLS ID 448908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS ID 227262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is equal housing opportunity. have scoured the podcast world, you have finally found the place where news is weighed in the balance. Welcome to Newsworthy with Stephen Jerry, two words and two question marks. Sorry. Mr. Steve is over here poking a <laughs> finger through the closed fist of the other hand. Not for sure what he's trying to insinuate. <laughs> so a few weeks ago, we started changing things up a little bit, and we started with a teaser before the music hit. Okay. So before the show started, you were like, hey, let me intro this, because I really got a way I want to do it. I just meant the segment, not the teaser. Well, that's what I thought you meant was the <laughs> teaser, so gotcha. that's what I pointed to you, and you was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, we'll just hit the music. <laughs> yep, I had no idea, no clue. Mercy, I mercy. have no idea. Well, you know, Jerry. Not a whole lot. I know it's finally cooled down in central Kentucky, and I am extremely happy about that. It may be short-lived, not maybe. They, I think the forecast is saying within a couple of days it's back in the 90s, but today was 80, 81, yeah, for high. Beautiful gorgeous. weather. Yeah. Humidity like was almost zero. It just oh, gorgeous weather. Gorgeous. Yeah. For people who don't know about the South, you know, they're talking about the heat wave out west. That's a big heat wave. We get that. You know, it's 106, or I think Death Valley last week was 129. Well, what we talked about last week, Phoenix went for like yeah. 30 days minimum of 110. Yeah, but that doesn't compare to the south. And the humidity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you start throwing the humidity, that's heat. Heat. Yeah. Um, that and it's like sure. it stops at the like Mississippi River. like. New Orleans in the summer is downright oppressive. Oh, yeah. Big like, it's the summer hates you in New Orleans. But yeah. you go into Texas, and it starts getting better almost instantly. It's like yeah. Texas is a beacon of sunshine and warmth and just loves everyone. I agree with everything you said, except do you remember me, too? I think it was last week when I was talking about when uh... – we went to our uh, manager's meeting that was in Palm Springs. We flew into L.A. and it was, I don't know, 107, 108, 109. Oh, yeah. And before I went, I was asking people, you know, in Palm Springs, the extremely hot area, what's the weather going to be like? And it was, I don't know, end of July, 1st of August. And 
everyone was saying, yeah, you know, it's that it's hotter, but it's the dry heat. You probably won't even notice it. Took my first breath and the crap was burning my lungs. It felt like, and I'm like, dry heat my ass. <laughs> this is freaking heat. So this is just hot. last episode, I think, fingers crossed on Podbean. I know we've been teasing that for a little yeah. while. We need um, to quit saying that. It's almost like we're jinxing ourselves. I hope not. Say. Well, we have to, this weekend. I have to go to Tennessee, so that's going to hurt us just a little as far as having time this weekend to iron out some kinks. But we are going to work on it tomorrow, and we have Monday and Tuesday. So I think that, hopefully so. I think we'll make it happen. Um, but for most of the people, other than Double and Mochi, they'll never know. Yeah, they'll uh, never know the difference. Hopefully, they will know a difference if they've ever listened to any of our episodes. They'll know because, that we changed a couple uh, of things, <laughs> not uh, not our host. Yeah, no, so, nobody knows cares, cares about that except maybe Podbean. You yeah. know, they're losing uh, us. That's so. right. <laughs> so that's pretty much a bad thing. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, anyway, anyway. So we can hope that the hot weather is over. We know that that's a dream, but yeah, yeah well, we it's just do. now starting August. Good, exactly. In August, a lot of times in Kentucky is just as bad as July, if not worse. Yep. Dog days of summer, and sometimes it lingers into September. Look at that! Look at that right there. My crazy one-eyed cat is into my office. Why is that important? Because cats aren't allowed in my office. I think she did not get the memo. Well, she can only read half of it. <laughs> thought she could read it all, but half the speed. Well, either way. Depends. I she don't know. did not get Do cats the memo. read right to left or up and down? Or are they like you and a little of both? That's <laughs> what we found out with your check marks. <laughs> Leave me alone on my check marks. Jerry, uh, how do people reach us? Well, they have a couple of ways. They can email us at newsworthy with Steve and Jerry at gmail.com. They can also reach us on our text line at area code 540-709-1318. Wow. That's good. Good stuff. We got a good show tonight. Um, there's, a, there's an absolute megaton of politic and political stuff happening this week. We got Trump's indictment again. Yep. We have Joe Biden's corruption and all of that starting to fester and starting to boil over a little bit. Joe Biden's son's corruption. Uh, they've got some pretty substantial yeah. links. We're not yeah. going to get into that because I don't really want to argue about politics. This is our, um, maybe our, until the actual presidential election, maybe our last episode. So yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> we'll probably still do a few if we come across some big topics that we think are worth it. You know what I think is really weird? And I just want to throw this out there. What's it? I really believe that, you know, this is a situation where, yeah, Trump did some bad things, but there's a lot of this that is political. And, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. There's no need to debate it. Um, some of the things he's being prosecuted for. But every time they do this, instead of it hurting him politically, it drives his numbers up. And that just befuddles me. I, I just. <laughs> well, if you remember, I think during the 2016 campaign, he made the comment if he was to shoot someone uh, on Madison Avenue, that yeah. he, he didn't think it would hurt his numbers. He thought his 
base would still be behind him. And so far, everything he said is proven to be true. It doesn't yeah. matter. Well, what that's not is. even his base. I mean, his base numbers are his base, but his numbers still tick up. Um, it's Have just crazy. Ticked up lately. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. After the last indictment, they went up almost 10%, I think. What are they at? Uh, almost 40. And they went up 10%? Well, he was at 30. Well, it's horrible. I mean, you can't get elected with those numbers. Either one, 30 or 40. 40% in the GOP, and the next competitor is Ron DeSantis at nineteen twenty. Holy crap. Then the GOP is going to lose. Either <laughs> those saying. numbers go way up, or the GOP will lose. No, that's not everybody. That's just the GOP. That's... And only 19% of the GOP, like the number two guy, and only 30% like the number one guy, was 30. Now it's well, 40. Yeah. Uh, I... Of just, you're talking about 30% of the GOP. Right. Well, you Holy have to, crap. 40% far outweigh, I mean, that two alone is 60% of all your voters in the GOP. And then you Different have number. the I thought you were dudes. talking about approval rating. No, no, no. Which no, would be zero no. out of 100 for each and every one. Oh, no, no, cumulative. no, no. I'm talking about all. Okay. All. Yeah. The percent that are for him. Right, right. And those numbers keep ticking up. So it's like. If that, if, 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 big pie in the sky, air quotes, the Democrats are attempting to do this to knock him out of the election, it's going the wrong way. Oh, I don't think they are. When you look at Jack Smith's investigation, this started way before Trump, way, way before Trump announced that he was running. So that alone tells me that this is not something they've done in the last eight or 10 months to try to influence the top GOP candidate, but it is what it is. A few weeks ago, um, <coughs> to change topics, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the the Sphere in Las Vegas is the newest big building attraction. It's a sports arena um, and is flipping amazing. Like, I want to go to LA or Las Vegas just to see this thing. <laughs> it is amazing. However, it has come under fire this last couple of weeks because the eyeball feature on it, you know, where it it, it looks like a big giant eyeball, mm-hmm. has creeped out some of the residents who feel like the eye is following them. <laughs> wow. I just thought that was a neat thing. And to me, that's one of the coolest features of it. They They can do so much with it. It's just, I could probably sit there and watch it for hours. And it, it entrances me. And I don't know why. Did you hear about uh, the big sign that Elon Musk put on the Twitter building this past week? Uh-uh. You know that he's rebranding Twitter. It's didn't no more until, Twitter. It's X. Didn't until the other day when I asked you about it. <laughs> yeah. For those that don't know, he's in the process of rebranding Twitter into X. And uh, on top of their building in San Francisco, he erected uh, a huge temporary sign that he was automatically in trouble with and being fined for because he didn't get approval. He didn't get permits. He didn't do anything. (laughs) But this huge, uh, you know, it's like 50 foot wide and 100 feet tall or whatever. And it's LED lots of an X and it's strobing. Oh, wow. And it's lighting up buildings. Half mile away. <laughs> yeah, he's 
already had to dismantle it. He's got some huge fines to pay and he could care less because I'm sure he factored that all in. And it was uh, part of the price of the marketing campaign that he was running. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Question. Do you know why scuba divers fall backwards out of the boat? <laughs> why? Because if they fell forwards, they'd still be in the boat. And I was going to use it, and I was like, only I will think that's funny. I'm glad that that's not the case. That's funny as a joke. Because I, <laughs> I just got a visual. Dunk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mercy. <laughs> Hello, Nassim. Welcome aboard. <laughs> so, Jerry. Yes. You know, I used to be against organ, organ donation. Okay. Yeah, I was. It really bothered me. Recently, though, I've had a change of heart. Very nice. <laughs> Nothing. I'm, you can see that coming a mile away. <laughs> you don't think? It's still good. It's a good dad job. No, you're you're fired. Jerry will not be what? joining us next uh, week. He has I, been fired. I'm trying to look something up. Oh. That I meant to include in my notes for the show. And you failed. See, and reason number two, Jerry's getting fired today. So, do we want to give any hints for next week? No. No? Okay. No I, hints I, for I you. A tease if you want. I don't even want to do that. Maybe we could, ooh, I know what we could tease. We could just give a tease of our new theme music. That doesn't give anything away, does it? Do we have it on here? I have it on here. Play it. Yeah. How about a tease of our brand new theme music? Um, I'm pretty stoked by the whole process. I'm not going to lie. I I haven't been this excited about a change in our show since we started our show, to be blunt. Um, so pretty, pretty, pretty darn stoked about that. Also, hey, you know what I did this week? What and maybe I'm a fool. I don't know. But I uh, ordered. So I've been seeing these commercials, and they're right. If you look on the back of your laundry detergent, it's almost 80, 70, 80% water. No matter how big a thing you get, it's got a lot of water in it. Yep. And those jugs, most of the time, unless you live in a very high-tech place, those jugs are not recyclable. And Jerry, you always talk about, because I'm a Republican, that I don't like the government. I don't care about the uh, uh, the environment. So I ordered laundry detergent sheets from Earth Breeze. Good for you. Hypoallergenic. They come in a little small envelope that is easily... Um, uh, recycled. The sheets dissolve completely so there's no mess, no cleanup. Uh, I paid $20 for 60 loads. It's a little expensive, maybe. But they give away for every 20 you buy, they give 10 away for homeless shelters or a uh, charity of your choice. So gotcha. I will let you know. Those will be here this week. I'll let everyone know how that goes. 
later in the later in the program because I'm pretty stoked by having them. Very nice. The only I was looking for the email I sent you with our new music, <laughs> and I saw that they had shipped, so that's why I brought it up. <laughs> While you're finding that, sure. I can't find the quote from Elon Musk that I was looking for, but I, I can uh, I know it well enough to say it. It's one of the best Elon Musk quotes I've saw in a long time. It said, if you don't differ at least slightly from what your political party believes, you're not in a political party. You're in a cult. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. 100% agree with that. I agree. Also, Jerry and I had a, a uh, we, hey, put this. we're going to put this out for people to respond to the text line or to the email. Sure. So I would like to know everyone we'll put this out like this, like a, a poll. Okay. If you believe that unmarked police cars are an extortion vehicle, let us know. And if you believe that unmarked police cars are a statue of safety and concern, Please let us know no, that as well. No one's going to agree with the second part, but here's what I will say. They're a necessary evil. They yeah. make people like me who always speed, always, not sometimes, not most of the time, not if there's a need, if I'm driving and there's not someone in front of me that prohibits me from doing so, I'm breaking the speed limit, always. When I see something that I think might be an unmarked car, Obviously, if I see a marked car, I'm slowing down. Exactly. So what do these speed traps do? They slow down the overall speed of traffic. So from that sense, they are very successful at being a good safety device. They're very good at, be good at being a very good extortion device. I don't even know device. why you're complaining so much. I guarantee you, I've probably had three times the number of speeding tickets in my life you have. It doesn't matter. Twice I have had the max number of points where you're on probation. And you get the letter from DOV uh, that says if you have anything else in the next 12 months, you are being suspended. You will not have a license. Twice I've been on that probation <laughs> period. And then when you get off that, at least in Virginia, you go on 12 months of that. Then you go to 18 months of a watch, which means if you get anything, you go back on the potential losing your license. So you had to go two and a half years. That'll slow you down. <laughs> How many times did you get pulled over by the extortion vehicles? That's the question. I mean, for every ticket that I had, it was, they were all probably extortion vehicles. Exactly. But once again, they do a good job of slowing traffic down. Because Apparently not. Know, you got on the list twice. <laughs> well, but the last time that happened was probably 15 years ago. So I'm not smart as most, but I eventually got the message. Right. Slowed down a little bit. You ready for the tease of our new music? It is with it. Here it goes. I hope. Here it goes. There you go. That's your tease. That's, the tease. <laughs> That's all you get. Oh, I'm so excited. So, what are we talking about tonight, Jerry? What are we talking about? Yeah. Um, well, as usual, very important topics. The main one, I think, or the first one is going to be the, uh, opposite of minimum drinking age, right? You know, I mean, do, 
go ahead and go into it. Wait a minute. We haven't even heard your joke yet. Yeah, we did. Oh, that's right. I bet. It was so bad, I forgot it was even a joke. <laughs> Ouch. Well, considering <laughs> we're 20 minutes into the show, we probably should go into our topics yeah, we at some should. point. We have a minimum drinking age in this country, and you and I were talking about it a few minutes ago, which surprised me when I looked up and found that that didn't happen until 1984. That's when the United States passed the National Minimum Drinking Age Act, which states that an individual must be 21 years or old. And my proposition is, if we have a minimum drinking age, should we not also have a maximum serving age? And no, I don't mean maximum serving alcohol. I was going to say good, because I think it's the most adorable thing when there's old people drinking beer. I don't know why. (laughs) I, I, I just do. But what I'm referring to is serving in a federally elected position. Oh, wow. In other words, politicians. And a couple of things happened this past week that made me think about this. First of all, I'm sure most everyone has heard and saw that Mitch McConnell was doing a press conference and in the middle of a sentence, he froze. That's what the news is saying. That's what they're calling it. And I absolutely don't know of a better way to put it. For 23 seconds, mid-sentence, Mitch McConnell froze. It probably was some sort of medical issue, many stroke, you know, who knows. Uh, Glitch in the matrix. We certainly hope that he's okay, first and foremost. I don't care who you are, and if you're a horrible politician, we don't wish, you know, health issues on anyone. But Mitch McConnell stood there and froze for 23 seconds. They finally led him away. And he was gone for a few minutes, and they, I'm guessing, convinced him, you know, you probably want to go back and let him know you're not dead. So he went back and answered a few questions that were basically yes or no answers. I mean, it was, he didn't prove much about coming back to me. Uh, but the point is this. When you've got 80-year-old people like Mitch McConnell, like so many other politicians in Washington, Grassley, Feinstein, Pelosi. Well, those two, by the way, are 90 or almost 90. We'll be 90 within a month or two. Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden. Donald Trump, if he's elected, will be past 80 before he... All of these. And this is not a political issue. This has got nothing to do with Republican or Democrat. This is just saying, at what point should we no longer allow people of this age to lead our country, to lead well, the free world? Well, you and I were talking about it a little bit because we were trying to make sure that this last show that we do on this format is is like really okay. My father-in-law, Mike, is a pilot for Delta, flies people, flies seven, uh, I think it flies a 777, 747, big jet, full of people. (laughs) His mandatory retirement age to fly passengers is 65. That was changed in 2007. 67. No, 65. Yeah, 65. 65. In 2007, that was when it became 65. Do you know what it was previous? Uh, Probably 62. 60. 60. 60. Before 2007, 60. And you had to retire. Now, here's the point. When you're you could You could switch from passengers, but you could still fly freight. You still can at 60, over 65. But I didn't mean Wanted to say off. that again. You can do what? You can you you're allowed to still fly like UPS or FedEx. You just freight. fly freight. You can't fly passengers yep. anymore. That's all I'm saying. Commercial, yeah. Um, passenger airlines, yeah. yeah. On any size, even the small ones, right? 
And the point is, when you're a pilot, who is it that's sitting beside you? You have a co-pilot. You have a co-pilot who at any moment is prepared and can take the controls. Yet, our government believes, and to me, rightfully so, that there comes an age when you are at risk and should no longer be allowed to fly the plane, even with someone sitting beside you, a co-pilot. Now, our politicians, you know, we have a vice president, but guess what? He doesn't go everywhere with the president. He's not beside the president the entire time. He's not always prepared to step in. Actually, it's a long, rigorous process uh, due to medical emergency, not in death. But if there's a medical emergency for him to be declared uh, incompetent, he or she to be declared incompetent, and for the vice president to be put in as acting president, that's a long process. But yet we have no such age for president, uh, senator. Any elected politician, and, and by the way, it's not just pilots. You mentioned that pilots 65. Before 2007, it was 60. If you're a Department of State Foreign Service employee, in other words, if you're in another country, Department of State representing the United States, you have to retire at the age of 65. There are a few exceptions, but it's very narrow exceptions. If you're a federal law enforcement officer, a national park ranger, a firefighter, 57. Really? Cannot serve beyond the age of 57. Now, again, there is a few restrictions, one of which is if you have not achieved 20 years of service, they'll let you build up your years of service so you can retire. But you can't be a firefighter. You can't be a national law enforcement. You can't be an FBI agent. You can't be a national park ranger huh. past 57. Wow. But you can be... The, the people United that States are making the, the the people that are making those arbitrary um, age limits aren't putting those limits on themselves. themselves. Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> well, it's money, power. Another example: if you happen to catch this on C-SPAN this past week, we we mentioned earlier Diane Feinstein. She turned ninety years old last month. She was in a meeting, a Senate Appropriations meeting, and they had a hearing. They had discussed this issue. And they discussed it till it was dead, and they d decided to have a roll call vote. And she was lost in the process. She thought they were still debating the uh, head of the committee, who was another Democrat, a friend of hers, had to tell her five times, "Just vote, say your name. We just need your vote." She continued trying to debate when they'd already had a motion and voted and declared that the you know, the debate was over. They had started the roll call. And this 90-year-old lady didn't even know what's going on. And my question is simply, is it in our best interest to take pilots, to take national firefighters, to take park rangers and say you can't serve past a certain age? But if you're president, if you're vice president, if you're a senator, if you're a representative, you can serve until you die, apparently. Well... Here's the thing, and I brought this up when we were having our conversation, but I think it needs to be brought here as well. I would really like to know, first of all, I'm under no impression that most politicians have any real connection to us voters anymore. They really don't. But if we can pretend for a second that they may understand the life of the average voter, at 80 years old, 
how do you connect with someone who's 20 to 40, 20 to 45? It's a lifetime. I mean, there's a lifetime of difference there. There is. You know what I'm saying? As far as the belief system, the the thought processes of a 25-year-old, how as an 80-year-old will you connect with that person? I'm 48, and I can't hardly connect with 20-year-olds now. And, and it's not, it's just a generational thing. We think different. We, we you know, we, they think outside the box that we, that we built thinking outside the box. You know, it's, it's just a progression thing. I don't agree with this whole line of thought, but th- that I think is, is OCS's big claim to fame. It's probably why she won. That's why she continues to be in office, yeah. plus the fact that she's in a liberal district. But you, you know what she did before this, right? She's a bartender. She's a bartender. Yep. So she comes across as just, you know, I'm one of you. Yeah. I'm not part of the elite. I'm not. She, she, certainly not anymore. <laughs> I mean, she fits in her district, obviously, or she wouldn't keep winning. But see, and you bring up a very important point. We, me and you can sit here and talk about term limits, or term limits would help this, but sure. age restrictions, all we want. But there's already something in place for that. It's called the educated voter voting them out when they get to be too damn old, which Obviously, we're not very good at, or we wouldn't have ninety hundred year old Mitch McConnell and seventy seven million year old Nancy Pelosi. Stink. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is actually thinking about re- running for election again. She's what eight, almost ninety two. Go through a few of the yeah, numbers. Do. Joe Biden, eighty years old. Hey, uh, dude, glad you're here. He was once the youngest member of the United States Senate. He's also the oldest person to ever take office as president. Pelosi, 83. Her once deputy, Steiny Hoyer, is 84. The number three Democrat, Jim Clyburn, is 83. Mitch McConnell's 81. Bernie Sanders is 81. Charles Grassley's 89. He turns 90, I think, in September, October, a month or two. As we mentioned earlier, Dianne Feinstein turned 90 last month. Uh, Thankfully, she has announced that she is not going to run for re-election. Thank goodness. Because if she had won, ran for re-election and had won, she would have been 93 years old when that term ended. That's insane. Absolutely. <laughs> at, at some point, you have, and, and we're not saying that just because you're 80, you lose your mental acuity. We're not saying that at all. Those Of those people that you just mentioned, there is a vast range of people and their abilities abilities in there so just draw a number and we know that it's an arbitrary yeah. number yeah. we know it's not perfect we know it's not going to be applicable in every case out or I'm gonna go mess. ahead sorry but the point is kind of like the pilots you know that we said that they've decided that they can't fly planes past 65 i'm sure there are some pilots probably the majority of pilots i would guess that are very well qualified at age 65 to fly but the chance that a few might not be makes it okay and, and i'm absolutely okay with that and our point is simply if you're going to say that that's true with pilots with firefighters with fbi agents why in the world would not would we not also say that it should be true for the speaker of the house for the president of the united states and uh in diane feinstein's case united states senator but it really doesn't matter if it's a 
a representative, if it's a senator, if it's the president, to me, there should simply be a mandatory age that we uh, require them to retire at and say that, you know, we, we don't think that it's in our nation's best interest for you to continue to represent us. Um, I absolutely agree that if you're a firefighter, if you're a federal law enforcement officer, that you have a ton of responsibility. And I can see why that there needs to be a mandatory retirement age. But as far as I'm concerned, there's a far bigger need for our politicians to retire than there is a firefighter or an FBI well, agent. A firefighter, an FBI agent, they're responsible for one situation at a time. Yep. Hey, this fire, this investigation, arresting this guy, um, getting the gas leak fixed on this one time. The people in Washington that are guiding our country, the information that they receive never stops. Yep. And sure. Congress, as an example, they're there two years. They have the power of the purse. Every single day, they are making decisions that directly affect our pocketbook. Every day. Very true. <laughs> and if they don't have a, they don't, if they are beyond the abilities of thinking coherently, how in the world? All of the time. All not, of the not time. Not part of the time. Not, not some of the time. Not right. most of the time. All of the time. All of the time. How is it that they can make the best decision for the American people? I think a lot of times these people forget that they are there to serve the American people. So many times in Washington, Mitch McConnell's, these people that we're talking about, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, uh, take your pick, right or left, doesn't matter. They get up there, they get soaked in this power. They get soaked in this ability to easily make money. Um, for themselves and personal enrichment, they forget why and who sent them there and why we sent them there. And, and that leads to these long, a long, well, nobody can do it better than me. I, I've been here six years or I've been here three terms and I'm really good and you really need me. Do we? You're, you know, it, like you say, back to the arbitrary number. Yeah, pick a number. 70? Okay, 70. If you're, if 70 is the number, if you're going to turn 70 before the end of your next term, you don't get to run again. You're out. Yep. <laughs> Period. Now, the argument to that, the counter to that is, well, you're going to cut out a lot of good people that are still a serving. You're a lot of experience. Yeah, maybe we'll take that risk. <laughs> There's no maybe. You do lose a lot of experience. The point is, the judiciary is different. Most judiciaries, and by the way, I'll, in a minute, I'll give you a list of the states that don't allow Supreme Court justices to serve beyond 70, several states. Mm. But uh, those are typically put in for life, which I think is wrong, too. I think there should be a term limit for United States Supreme Court justices. I don't think anything should be for life. But anyway, uh, uh, there's one thing that should be for life. What's that? And only my wrestling buddies are going to get this. Okay. The NWO <laughs> for life. Sorry. The deal for life. Huh? <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan, give me a hell yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> Run into a few of your buddies last week, you said. Yeah. At the bike yeah. rally in Cynthia. Mm hmm. But yeah. Let me, let me just cover that real quick while sure. you brought it up. 
Um, just want to shout out to Philip Kelly and uh, Lexington Wildcats, uh, Harley Davidson. They put on one heck of another bike rally last weekend. If you, you guys need to put that on your calendar for next year, if you have any interest whatsoever in awesome motorcycles of every genre, Harleys, Triumph, Honda, whatever your, your preference. They were there. There was almost probably 35, 3,000, 3,500 bikes in downtown Cynthiana. A lot of bikes. Big show, a lot of vendors, a lot of good food, food trucks, wrestling right on Main Street. Yeah. Pretty damn awesome. Sorry. But kudos to them. And all the money that they raised all goes to really good causes. They don't, they don't keep anything except what it takes to pay the people to do the thing. Um, every every dollar above their personal uh, overhead goes to charity. So it's an amazing, amazing deal. So anyway, didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, absolutely fine. But yeah, in Michigan, judges of all levels cannot run for election after passing the age of 70. Minnesota statutorily established mandatory retirement ages for all judges at age 70. So again, it doesn't make sense to me that judges can't in these states, at least, they, they can't continue in that profession past age 70. Right. But yet, our senators, our representatives, our president, no limit. I, yeah. It, just, it doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense. I mean, it makes sense the judges have limits because, you know, sure. the laws change every year. You have to be able to keep up with the changes sure. in the laws. And, um, again, back, comes back to that connectivity level on the American people. You know, here's an example, Jerry. Regardless of what the law says, okay. the perception of marijuana has changed vastly over the last 20 years. Sure. So if a judge from the old school comes up against a misdemeanor marijuana charge, unless it's a mandated sentence, that judge most likely is going to judge that more harshly than a judge who's come up very recently and realizes, hey, it's just a joint. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that, yeah. that's a pretty direct correlation of the difference in ages and the difference in the way people think today. Not making it right or wrong. And a lot of those things have mandatory sentences. So it's not even in the judge's favor anyway. He doesn't get to make that decision. But if he does... That's that's a big deal. Yep, I think reminds me. We talked about this several weeks ago. It, there was a prisoner in California that was released after doing twenty oh, plus yeah. years for marijuana charges, and he gets out and he's driving home and he sees a billboard and he stops and he pulls over and he's standing there looking at this billboard that is advertising home delivery for the uh, marijuana, and he says. I just did 20 years for this. And now I get out and they're advertising it on billboards. <laughs> Home deliveries. Home Why couldn't you bring me some of that in jail? Damn yeah. it. <laughs> I just, you know, that's that's just a small example. You know what I'm saying? We have counties in Kentucky that are still dry. Anderson County, where we live, is one of them. They serve alcohol on Sundays. I thought that was a state law, is it not? Maybe. But it's still a dumb law. <laughs> Steve. I'm sure you realize this. We have several counties in this state that are dry. That, do not, that are dry. They do not serve alcohol yeah. at all. 
at any time of the day on any day of the week. Yeah. Well, the reason I bring up our county in particularly is because we are uh, very much known as the bourbon capital of the world. Yep. <laughs> we have wild turkey, four roses. <laughs> there is lots of alcohol being produced in Anderson County. There is. <laughs> We're not a dry county here. No, not Except at all. Except on Sundays. Except on Sundays, which the funny thing is, okay, so you drive 12 minutes to Frankfurt and you buy whatever you want and they get our tax dollars. I didn't know that. Well, then it's not a state state issue. <laughs> no, no, it's a county to county okay. issue. But it's the same thing. Old leadership within a county that makes these arbitrary votes that are just disconnected with the way that the world works these days. Do I promote alcohol drinking whenever you want to? I don't care. To me, it's about it's about uh, volunteer taxation. Okay, if someone wants to buy alcohol and pay taxes on it, I'd much rather them pay the taxes than you mandate me to pay the taxes for whatever it is. Period. <laughs> I know yeah. that, that that's just how I feel. No, about I agree. It. You know, sin tax or whatever, if you want to go that way, but. Um, Anyhow. I also agree with that on drugs. Yeah. I mean, we and you, all of it. you know, if you want to pay the taxes and I don't have to, we can cut those taxes out of what I pay by all means. Drug it up. Just stay away from me. We've proven that the war on drugs doesn't it's a work. It's an it absolute failure. failure. And uh, yeah, it's not working. So if you can get some tax dollars out of it instead, I'm for it. So. That's all that I had. What do you have for us? Well, what I have first, dear Jerry, is a word from Ed Locke. Sounds great. Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. Buying your first home can be overwhelming, but here are five tips to make the process go smoother. Number one, find a lender, me, Ed Locke, that can answer any questions you might have and help you get pre-approved. There are multiple options available based on your situation. Number two, work with a real estate agent you can trust. Number three, don't rush the process. Take your time and know that the process could take some time. Number four, consider all the costs. Number five, get a home inspection and review it with your realtor. Keep these tips in mind, budget for yourself, and you'll be that much closer to making your dream of homeownership a reality. So reach out to me at 502-680-0953. NMLS ID 448-908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, NMLS ID 227262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity. My man, Edlock, international man of mystery, movie star, and mortgage loan originator. Absolutely. <laughs> I call him a movie star because through his company, they did videos a little while ago. And he did several of them. You know, they're promotion videos or whatever. Right. But uh, they, uh, and I did one too that I got offered uh, to participate in that. And luck, excuse me, a lot, a lot of fun. A lot of fun doing that. I, first time I ever read off a teleprompter. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I almost felt like Joe Biden there for a second. It was kind of cool, like Obama, you know. You were making a bunch of gas, is that what you're saying? Oh, I did, yeah. It took me like <laughs> 17 times to make my video, but it was fun. We had a good time with it. 
uh, the people that were doing the video were professional, even though, <laughs> even though I wasn't. So it worked out well. There you go. Sorry to everyone for the dogs. They have some days they're good. They go in there and they chill, and some days they just gotta have all this attention. Uh, Edna and Ramona are our babies. They're just our babies. Okay. So what I wanted to talk about, we talked about syntax a minute ago. Right. What I wanted to talk about today, it, it was brought to my attention through a Wall Street Journal um, uh, article written by Claire Ansberry. Um, and it was all about the fact that after COVID, middle-aged Americans simply aren't going back to church. Um, and they go on to list several reasons, and I'm not going to read the article verbatim, thank you. Um, but basically, it's targeting 40, Americans 40s and 50s, some 30s, who identify as religious, um, but for whatever reason, post-COVID, have decided that, not necessarily decided, they just drifted away from church. Um, now, we often, on this show, have had plenty of opportunities to um, talk about religious issues. You know, in the, in the time that we've been doing this podcast, there's been a lot of religious things that probably could have been decided if it was more newsworthy or not. But we've stayed away from those issues for a couple of reasons, and the main one being there's nothing we're going to say or do here that's going to change somebody's mind. Um, about how they feel about God or, or church. Um, I know how I feel. I think I know, you know, I know how you feel, Jerry. Um, you, your dad was a pastor. <laughs> uh, but we, this is something that I think crosses across all of that. I think that it's pretty established and it's pretty well known that for, 200 plus years in our country, the church was the backbone of one of the stables, one of the pillars of how we were able to grow and, and become a nation. Um, and and that, that doesn't necessarily mean that the Methodists are better than the Catholics or the Catholics are better than the Baptists. Not none of that. Just the basic tenets of what religion means to a person's individual moral code has been the background for 200 years in our country. And here, very recently, that has really started to erode much. And, and we kind of see it in today's world with the hate and the anger and the vitriol that Americans are, are, are just tearing each other apart with. I, I just, it, it breaks my heart a little bit, to be honest. And I think that this maybe have a little bit to do with it. Um, the fact that, first of all, let me just say, let me backtrack just a hair. To me, personally, a church is not a building. It's what's inside you. Um, but for this article, they're talking about going to a physical building, where in that physical building, you should be able to connect with like-minded people, you would hope. Um, and use that time to grow in your faith, whatever that faith is. Um, but anyway, that's my opinion. Let's get to the article. <laughs> the article basically says that Americans in their 40s or 50s 
are often identify religion, but they're also right in the thick of raising kids, caring for aging parents like Jerry, juggling demands at their jobs, and that all spills into the weekend. So during the pandemic, many, because of restrictions on where you could go, if you could go to church, if church was even open, uh, the restrictions on space in the church, you know, if you didn't have a big church, you couldn't have church because you couldn't separate people enough to do the six foot, the masking restrictions. Um, so a lot of people got out of the habit of going to religious service on a regular basis and they haven't came back. And I've even noticed that in my church that um, it used to be, we had, we, our church since I started, I've been in the same church since 2004 and it has steadily grown. We, we've added we added a new sanctuary. We've added new parts to the building, new parking um, to accommodate that growth. Um, and before COVID, even the new parts of the church was already starting to be overgrown to the point we were doing multiple services every Sunday to get everybody in. Um, that's not the case. We're down to two services and there's still room for more inside that. So even in something that I see every day, that's why this article stuck out to me a little bit, because I wanted to kind of dig in and see what that was all about. So the percentages of people ages 39 to 57 who attended worship service during the week, either on, in person or even online, fell 28 or fell to 28% in 2023. 28% is still a quarter of the population, right? In 2020, it was 41%. So it 50%, it's dropped in just two, three years. According to a survey this year, this was the largest percentage point drop of all age groups examined in a survey of 2,000 adults conducted by the Cultural Reach Center in Arizona, at Arizona Christian University. Um, a lot of people have developed new ways of thinking during COVID. Many people say that if you have faith, you have faith and you don't need the church. And that's really a, a shallow way of kind of looking at that because it's really hard to grow your faith when you're not with. Um, and this one person that they interviewed said, when you got faith, you got faith. I just don't think that going every Sunday makes you who you are. <laughs> um, the percentage of Gen Xers who worship weekly is now as low as the millennials, according to the Cultural Research Survey. Baby boomers, baby boomers, and people ages 75 and older had the highest attendance rates, but those were only at 33 or 38 and 53 percent, respectively. So, still just half of Americans, even at the age where most Americans are drifting back toward God. Um, the most targeted turbulent churchgoers during the pandemic were my group, Gen Xers. Um, church attendance, however, has been declining for decades across generations. Less than half of U.S. adults belonging to houses of worship, worship in 2020, compared to 70% in just at 1999. So 20 years? That's crazy. It lost 30% in 20 years. <laughs> and that's true, I think, if you want to go back to the 20 years before that and the 20 before that. Right, it is. It, yeah, long-term trend. It is. And 
Now, there's several, several problems here. And they get into a few of those. And I want to up it by a few more. First of all, churches are at war with other churches right now. There are several factors leading to that. How do you approach X, whatever X may be? Is it LGBTQ issues? Is it alcohol? Churches are tearing themselves apart and tearing themselves down as opposed to being a solid body and trying to lift themselves up. Um, And I think, and I'm going to speak from personal experience, I had a very, very hurtful experience at a very young age at a church by someone, and it was just two people that had a conversation that they didn't know I heard. Cost me 20 years of faith, basically. They had no clue. But they were talking about things that they had no business talking about, in particularly about me and what I was doing at the time and how, I mean, I was there. I was trying, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that scarred me so bad. It cost me 20 years. Yep. And, you know, there's a lot of that going on. If you're, if church isn't a contest, there's a song out there that says, uh, I think it's by Matthew West that says all the churches say, come as you are. And if that were the case, all the pews would be full Um, because people feel that's the one thing I love about my church. Middle of summer. If I want to wear shorts and flip flops, not one person is going to look cross at me. (laughs) You know, um, I think that that's not very common in churches. It's really not. I mean, if you go to a small church that's been established for a hundred years and the main part of the congregation is above 50. They're all in suits and dresses. And if you show up in, in a pair of holy jeans because that's what you got, people going to look at you funny. Yep. And that ain't what it's about. <laughs> it really isn't. You know, I I just... The uh, things you're talking about now go, I think, to the long-term trend. Oh, yeah. Churches have got to fix some of these issues or they will face the long-term problems now. Those type issues haven't changed much in the last two or three years. So other than early on in the pandemic being told that you can't, I think there was a time when churches were told not to assemble, were they not? Yes. For a period of time. And then it became, well, you can, but you've got to be able to distance, mass, whatever. Uh, I don't think they were told they had to. I think they that was suggestions. So I think people got out of the habit and apparently That's exactly what it is. So. You know, a lot of people, and this article leans into this a little bit. Excuse me. They go to church that their parents went to, that their grandparents went to, because it's what they're accustomed to doing. When they couldn't do that during the pandemic, yep. they got out of that habit. They got away, allowed them to open up and think, well, what do, do I need to go to church? Do I, you know... What is the issue there? Do I need to uh, continue whatever? And that's what this article is saying. This article is specifically saying, hey, you broke the habit streak. It takes 21 weeks to make a habit. 21 things, 21 times becomes a habit. And churches, I'm pretty sure, at least in this area, we're not allowed to have in-person services for more than 21 weeks. Yeah, it was it was rough. It was a couple of months at least. Did your church do the uh, 
online or yeah, the church, our church has mom, online. It's a, it's been online for ten years. Good. Yeah, the church that my mom went to, little small country church, but they uh, they got FM transmitters, and we're doing it. And I think for like I don't know a mile away from the church, you could turn into a certain radio station and pick it up. Yeah, pretty cool. Just to show you how big of a problem this is, between every year since twenty. Um, since 2019, between 1,500 and 7,000 churches close every year in America. That's the wrong direction if we want to maintain a strong America. I, I mean, I believe that. I'm not trying to tell you how you should live your life or that I'm judging. That's not my job. But I, I, I'm a big believer that church as a pillar really helps our country. It helps our people. I remember a trucking company who used to have a sticker on the back of their trucks that said, this Sunday, please attend a church of your choice. Yeah. Do you remember what company that was? Uh, if you gave me, if you told me before, I could always like that ad. They weren't pushing Catholics or, you know, it is one of the companies that is hundred percent owner operated. Oh, it's kind gosh. of what you're saying, though. It's saying that we need these moral values in our country. So yeah, it has nothing to do. I don't care if it's okay. ca- what church you want to go to. Find your church home. I didn't find my church home. It found me. Mm-hmm. I, have I ever told that story on the air? I don't think so. Tell For, it. It's a good story. Well, I don't care to tell it. Again, hadn't been to church in 20 plus years. Um, and I was married at the time. We lived in a duplex that was right. There was a stop sign right in front of our house. And we had a daughter that had, my stepdaughter had some pretty serious um, mental, you know, she had bipolarism. We didn't know that at the time, that that's what it was. But there were days that she would just scream the entire day, just anxiety-filled screams. And it had been one of those days that it was just brutal. She had finally went to bed. It was like 930 at night. And there's a knock on our door. We're like, who the? You know, who the hell is this at 930 at night knocking on our door? <laughs> My dogs are going crazy. So I answer the door, and there's this old gentleman, older gentleman standing there, and he says, hey, I, I don't know you guys, obviously, and I apologize for, for bothering you so late, but I was at the stop sign, and God said to me, I need to knock on your door. And I tried to go. And it came even harder. So it, I looked down, there's this car parked halfway in the, it was like a T intersection. So he was kind of parked halfway in the middle of the T and he just pulled over in the, in the grass. And uh, he said, my name's Steve Pearson. Uh, I'm a pastor at Church of the Savior in Brandon Crossing in Nicholasville, which is where I lived at the time. He said, and I really felt like I was being told I need to come in here. At least knock, introduce myself. We, you know, and, I personally would, <laughs> hey, Ramona, we don't do that. <laughs> um, I absolutely, when he started talking, felt this, I don't know, calming come over me. I invited him in. He sat at our house till almost 11 o'clock that night, just talking. And been been at that church ever since. Um, and so incredibly 
grateful for that experience. Yep. I mean, I'd been outside living the life that I knew I should be better at, but 20 years. I mean, I just, and I know that's not really what, what, what this was talking about, but I do believe that for so many years in our country that a church, not necessarily any particular church, church in general has been an anchor. And it's an anchor we've cut the chain to. And I, I feel like it's taken us in a very, very weird Sodom and Gomorrah type way <laughs> going down the road. I think that the, our America really, really uh, um, and you're right, Mochi. I don't, you don't necessarily have to go to church to prove your faith. You just don't. That, that's 100% correct. <laughs> wow, we had a lot of visitors. I wasn't even paying attention, Jerry. Did you see all that? No, I wow. don't either. Cool. Anyway, that was my whole thing. Uh, I, the numbers here are basically startling to me um, that we've lost that much. Um, and I, I just hope that we can uh, uh, change or redirect that. It was not a long-term lasting trend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anywho, Hopefully it is not. That's all I got, my man. That is all I got for this particular episode. I've got one quick one. Okay, sure. Did I mention Carly Russell a couple of weeks ago? I think I did. She's the uh, yes, 25-year-old she Alabama nursing student that uh, called 911, said she was on the interstate, and there was a young toddler who was in a diaper and walking along the side of the interstate and she had pulled over and was following the child she told the police she was afraid to get out for whatever reason but she was slowly driving behind the child and she called 911 and they responded and when they got there they found no child they did not find her carly russell they did find her car her purse was in it her phone was in it but she was gone she showed up at home three days later, I believe, and said she'd been kidnapped. Uh, well, in the past few days, she admitted that she lied. She made the whole entire thing up. Uh, apparently just wanted her five minutes of fame. It's, yeah. And uh, she's since been charged with a couple of misdemeanors, not felonies, but she's been charged with a couple of crimes. And she's already admitted to it, so that I, I don't even know if she's going to get an attorney and if so, what his job is, because she's already admitted she lied about all of it. Uh, yeah, just how stupid. Yeah, um, I hope they make her pay the, the cost of what it costs, whatever won't. it was to look they at. Won't, because she doesn't have the money. She's a 25-year-old nursing student she lives with two or three roommates guarantee you she doesn't have the money so you can sue and get a settlement for five million dollars <laughs> she doesn't have the money so can't get blood out of a turnip it's just why yeah why how many emergencies did she detract from oh absolutely you because know what at I mean? first well it turns out they never did believe this girl apparently uh your cell phone company knows a lot about you yeah, including no there's a reason they give you free ones i'm yeah, just saying 
Well, not only that, there's <laughs> for all of them, they have a ton of information. And when she made this phone call to the police department, right afterwards, they went and uh, subpoenaed her cell company and got all the information from her in her call. When she supposedly was on the shoulder of the interstate, slowly driving behind this toddler, toddler. two yeah. or three-year-old toddler, according to the data that was being transmitted from the cell phone tower, she was traveling at a rate of about 25, 30 miles an hour. <laughs> So unless this toddler who was in a diaper was world-class speed, Olympic world-class speed. Carl Lewis, setting, look out. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way in the world that her story added up. It you just saying didn't. Bolt. Then they also uh, did some searches on her computer, her work computer, her home computer, and they found out she'd been Googling things like, do I have to pay? Do you have to pay for a false Amber Alert? Was some of the searches she had done the day that this happened. So there was a premeditation. This yeah, wasn't big time, just- big time premeditation <sighs> for a two or three day period. They found out that she'd went and got supplies. Uh, they don't even, she's still the last I heard hasn't told them where she went for the two or three days she was gone. But, uh, you know, she made it look like she had, was taken. Her purse was there. Her cell phone was there, but a few hours before she's at target buying supplies to, you know, so she could eat for a couple of days. Yeah. She planned all of it. Just why? I don't understand why. Dude. It would have been different if this she was trying to concoct a story where she was the hero and saved a child. No, she just come up with a stupid story and disappeared for a couple of days. I don't get it. Any of it. She just went a couple of days off work? Damn. Maybe. Maybe that was the reason. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Take a vacation. A whole lot of work to, for that. You know what I mean? A lot of work. I don't get it, man. It's crazy. Neither crazy. do I. Anywho, well, Jerry, you want to tell people how to reach out to us one last time? Sure. They can email us at newsworthywithstephenjerry at gmail.com. They can reach us on our text line at area code 540-709-1318. And with that, Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light.